Hello and welcome to the unofficial, unsanctioned women's UCI cycling show. It is the middle of spring classic season. It is time to watch the energy. That's right. Watch the energy. Make sure you can get all the way through. My name is Dan and with me always feeling somewhat under the weather and not at all excited about anything is my dear friend Sarah. Hi Sarah. Hi Dan. Poor little tired Sarah. How are you? You you all 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 depressed and worn out after Flanders? I I may be in a I may be in an adrenaline and chocolate egg hangover, yes. Ah, right, right. Well I'm not really I did have a little bit of a problem with adrenaline and chocolate eggs after watching Flanders on Twitter. And I, I stand by my, sometimes I wonder, do I like women's cycling so much because I can't see it? And it happens all in the imagination. And it's very <laughs> exciting because you're just waiting for the next tweet to come through. <laughs> I mean, you know, what if it's not actually very good at all, but it all of it <laughs> takes place in this magical mental world? <laughs> Well, then, then you do live in a particularly amazing um, fantasy world. I've I've said that for a long time, and and I'm <laughs> I'm comfortable with that assessment. But I would counter by saying that the races that we do get to see, a la the Olympic road race last year or Worlds last year, um, pretty fucking amazing. So and and, and Energy Walk Tour, which is on at the moment, and the video for Flanders. I mean, the little tiny bit of video for Flanders, because mm. you know. I, I, you know, I don't know why, but apparently showing the women's race in screen on the men's video in Flanders would be really, didn't you tell me it would be really expensive and the technology is very new? Yeah, I think, I think I said, I think I said something along the lines of it costs nothing extra and the technology has existed for decades. So yeah, yeah be completely fucking impossible to do that one of the things i found amazing is that you know like i get that the the men's race is the big event and that that's what everyone's there to primarily see and blah blah fucking blah but the thing is that they deliberately didn't show any of the the even the final of the women's race because um, the intention was always to put out a highlights package, and you know, it's, you know, credit where it's due. Sports did actually produce seven and something minutes of of highlights, which is you know better than sweet fuck all by seven minutes and change. Um, but what we got in the men's race was two hundred and sixty kilometers of sheer fucking boredom and twenty kilometers of racing. Honestly, I would, I would. Of much rather to not see any of the men's race until the last twenty k's. There was just no fucking point. It was disgusting. <laughs> but I don't, I don't buy the argument that they didn't show it in race because they wanted to show the highlights package. Because when Grass for Becker won it a couple of years ago, they showed her winning. You know, they showed it on the fixed camera in the final running, and they showed a highlight. <laughs> So <laughs> it's not either or people. Why do people insist on going to very very black and white? There are middle grounds. Well, maybe it's just the the Belgian hatred of the Dutch. Um, maybe that's what mm. it is. You know, reigniting the 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 Flemish Dutch wars of of yeah. years past. Um, I I honestly I don't know. I mean, it sounded very fucking exciting, and from the the highlights package. Um, it, it was very fucking exciting and I have said it over and over again, uh, you know, and, and I will say it 
hopefully not with my dying breath because hopefully it'll actually be resolved before I die. But, you know, who knows? I might die young-ish. <laughs> um, that that it, it's completely feasible and it's not unfucking realistic to ask for, you know, just a, a corner of the screen showing, you know, the women's, the women's race. Even just a fucking scrolling ticker across the bottom of the screen providing rolling updates of what's happening in the women's race. There were some there were some positive things that I saw on Twitter during it though that that were quite good. Um, Ant McCrossan tweeted um, to the effect that it was really disappointing that uh, the women's race didn't get coverage and that he was confident that he and his colleagues would have been more than happy to provide commentary and um, and coverage were pictures available, um, which you know salute hat tip to the gent for for pointing that out and it got retweeted by several of his colleagues so you know that's good also uh matt dorsett um had a bit of an interaction with me because i was doing the thing that i always do on twitter which is be an obnoxious prick and complain um <laughs> and so oh, I, and sometimes you make jokes oh every now and every now and then i say something that is accidentally funny but you know let's not pretend sometimes i actually talk make about jokes. beer I do talk about beer, that's true, um, and occasionally whiskey. But I had said that the final kilometres of the women's race has had so much attacking, it sounds like a brilliant race, would have been nice to at least offer a web stream. Um, and Matt Dorsett uh, engaged with me around that, and um, and I replied to him and said, look, I, I, I understand, but we can only get better coverage by demanding better coverage. And, uh, and to his credit, he took up that cry, and I encourage others to take up that cry. You know, you don't have to, you, do, you don't even have to um, acknowledge me, people. I give you permission to, to plagiarise and treat that comment as if it's your own, but demand better coverage, because fuck me, I want better coverage. I spent the rest of the men's race, to be honest, uh, on Twitter bitching about how shit it was and how maybe the men had just given up on being able to provide an exciting race after they'd seen how cool the women's race was. <laughs> that women's race was so cool, though. It was. It was really fucking cool. It was I mean, super attacky. The- and, you know, all sorts of cool shit was going on. Elbows and fists flying everywhere. It was excellent. I loved it. Yeah, I mean it was it was I mean it was very crashy, and the reason it was very crashy, people, is that the course was basically designed to put crashes in because they ride a flat thirty-eight kilometers. Yeah, then they hit the Mullenberg, and I think when I, my friend Monty on Podium Cafe described the Mullenberg as you know that tiny lane you used to sneak up to have a fag at school. <laughs> no, so no, I don't. It's basically a tight. Yeah, Dan was a very good boy at school. Mm, He's yeah, only very, just breaking very. out of that mold now. Mm. Um, but he, uh, yeah, it's a tiny. It's a sharp corner into a tiny cobbled narrow climb that's average gradient nine point eight percent and much steeper in places. So, and the thing about women's cycling is position, 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 position. Everyone has to get on the front all the time, but. You know, not everyone can be on the front all the time. And once they hit the Mullenberg, there was pretty much something horrible every 10 kilometres. And actually, sometimes a lot less, because you'd go from climb to, to the... You went from the Mullenberg to the Padestrat to another climb, to climb, to climb, to cobbles, to climb, climb, climb. Sarah, I think it, that's a really unfair way to characterise the fan standing roadside. Something horrible every 10 kilometres. <laughs> that seems a little extreme to me. They were out there in the in the Flemish cold to support riders, so you know, let's give them a little bit of credit. Yeah. 
So, I mean, the race, and then the race had, and then the big end gain of the race at 101 kilometres was Aldequaramont. And once they'd gone up the Aldequaramont, they basically went from that to the Petterberg three kilometres later to Hotond four kilometres later than that. And then they had the final 16k flat run-in. So it was kind of like, I think every time they even, and, and it's a very antsy peloton, and the women's peloton has a much wider skill level in it than the men's does. So there were crashes before they even got to the Molenberg, as basically everyone, and you know, this is this is Belgium, there's road furniture everywhere, roads just suddenly narrow. So there were crashes, and you'd read like, oh yeah, all of Orica and all of Specialized has been taken down. Brilliant. Uh, that was sarcasm, if you didn't pick that up, Daniel. Um, and <laughs> my thoughts with any riders who were damaged by the race, but it was very exciting. Well, it's one of the things about Flanders in, in either edition, the men's or the women's, you know, uh, the difficulties of the course and the subsequent, you know, crashing or stalling or, or whatever is a feature, not a bug. You know, and every year you get someone saying something like, oh, we should take the Oda Quaramont out of the, the race. It's just too tough and someone always can't make it up and stalls and then causes this big bottleneck behind them. Yes, they fucking do. That's the point. <laughs> it's <laughs> That's not by accident. That's the course. That's Flanders. That's, that's the race. That's what you're competing with. I really liked, I, I know we'll get into a little more detail about this later, but I really loved that section of your interview with Marianne DeVries um, about her race day and also when she discussed a bit about the mechanics of how it is to stay on the front and how hard a job that is, um, you know, in, in any race, but in a race like this particularly. Yeah, I mean, Marine, I've, uh, Marine, if you don't know the story of Marine de Vries, um, she's a really interesting person. She was, uh, she was 29 years old and she was working, um, as a researcher and I think maybe as an editor on TV and radio, Dutch TV, Dutch sports TV and radio. And she was, she'd been right, you know, she'd been, always played volleyball to a high level and she, you know, was racing with her and she started racing with her guy friends, her guy friends from the pub. And, she had this thing about can I become could I become a pro athlete in my 30s before I'm 30 and she did a radio show that you know followed her attempts and she is her training and when she would talk to Voss and she talked to multiple world champion Leontine van Morsel and it was yeah and and she became a pro cyclist and I interviewed her back in 2011 when she just finished her first pro season and she's blogged about it all the way through and she's got an amazing blog which she does in, in Dutch and English and it's very funny and very Dutch. You know, mm. the Dutch are much more straightforward than the English and I love them for that because, you know, you don't really need to be as uptight as we are. And she's... um. Yes, Anyways. That's, a, that's a hallmark of, of our interaction, isn't it? How uptight we are. <laughs> <laughs> But I don't know, there's something about the straightforward Dutchiness of the Dutch that's just, yeah, it's just interesting. <laughs> oh, you're so Dutch, you Dutchies, with your Dutchiness. It's <laughs> <laughs> so, so patronising, it's awesome. <laughs> I didn't mean to be patronising, it just happens. <laughs> yeah, yeah, great way, great way to piss off an entire nation. Well done, Sarah. Oh, no, but I... She's, anyway, I interviewed Marine, and one of the questions I wanted to ask for ages is, how do you get position? Mm. Um, so, because Marine came late into the sport, it's something that she's had to learn. And she's saying it's very interesting because it's now, it, it, it's not, you know, she's still got a lot to learn, but she just finds it easier. Yep. And, you know, she's like, you can't go to the front too soon because 
other girls will come past you and you'll be at the back again. And you can't be scared because if you're scared and break, you'll suddenly be way back. And you've just got to go with the flow. And it's, it's, just, it's just really interesting because it sounds like something you can't teach. You've just, you either have a natural instinct for it or you've just got to practice. Well, I would love, actually, this is putting on Science Geek hat. So everyone, quick, uh, sit down or run to the hat cupboard and get the Science Geek hat out and get ready to come back, sit down and put your Science Geek hats on. Because I would love to see mathematical modelling of the Peloton's behaviour in this specific regard and the same sorts of things that happen with migratory, migratory um, you know, flocks of birds or schools of fish. Because I think that there would be some very, very interesting modelling that we could do on those sorts of behaviours. And it might turn out that it's actually, you know, some billions of years old, you know, fish brain throwback that is allowing cyclists to do this. Maybe cyclists are secretly mermaids. Oh my god, are you suggesting that cyclists are all cold-blooded reptiles? <laughs> I've met a couple, I, you know, and not, a, not a statistically significant sample, but, you know, I think it's a plausible theory that requires further investigation. If you'd like to give me funding and a research grant, I'll be, um, I'll be happy to batter out a, a thesis over the course of many years and much research. Yeah, um, yeah, and, you know, obviously you'd have to go to a lot of races. Need to go to a lot of races and obviously need a lot of beer to keep warm and, um, you know, a few other essentials but uh i mean yeah. maybe a really really nice bike so that you can actually experience what it's like to exactly. know, ride with them probably several nice bikes just so that um i can experience the different options yes mm. Mm -hmm. mm. so the ronde van vlaanderen there they are riding through the flemish countryside every fucker trying to get to the front as always um it was snowing on the tops of some of the hills. That was nice. And it was snowing at the feed zone. Though I don't think it actually snowed on the riders. I think they managed... I think they had, like, some really delicious temperature, like minus four degrees to ride in. You know, none of this fucking mm. frozen eyeball territory. Um, and they had... I mean, it's hard to tell because you could tell there were lots of early attacks. And, yeah, Susanna Zorzi had a go, was, went out solo for about 20 kilometres. She rides, she's a young Italian who rides for Farron, Let's Go Finland. Um, I can't say that, Farron, Let's Go Finland. Um, <laughs> yeah, you can't say it, can you? You have to sing it. <laughs> <laughs> you try it. No, no, I can't, I can't beat that. I wasn't knocking the, the singing it. I think that's awesome. Yeah, and when she got back, you then had these really interesting attacks, which was, you could tell which team, you know, you had, you had Lucinda Brand and Amanda Spratt. Now, Lucinda Brand's Rabobank, Amanda Spratt, um, Orica AIS, oh, Spratty. Um, every time I say Amanda Spratt, what you have to imagine is this huge grin, this little short rider with this enormous grin, huge smile, like ear-to-ear -ear smile, especially when she's suffering, so that's Spratty. Um... Yeah, they had an attack, and this was because they had two of their big right, big right, big big hopes wanted this race, and then it all came back together, and then they were in the running to the Alde Quaremont. Now, this is like what the last twenty-six kilometres of the race, three hills, then the sixteen-kilometre flat running. Yeah, actually, last thirty, let's say. Yep. And everyone knows what's going to happen here. Mariana Voss attacks. No way! What a shock! I, like, that seems an odd tactic for her. I know. And then, with Mariana Voss, waiting and ready are Emma Johansson and Elisa Longo-Borghini. 
Oh, right. Right. So they um, both they both grabbed one side of her handlebars and just held on. <laughs> no, I think they kind of I think they're kind of like, yeah, we're ready for you, baby. And off they went. <laughs> that sounds really different when you say it in my voice. <laughs> God. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then and then they were shortly joined by Ellen Van Dyke. Now, this group of four, I mean Emma is at this point fucking desperate to win a fucking race. Her, she's on fire, her team's on fire. This was her oh god, this was her eighth european race of the season and as i say every week every european race of the season she's been on she's ended up on the podium and this must burn this must burn with a passion with a irritation that's just just aches and angers and you know when you think about her in riding in ronda van drentha with you know just big ring little ring (laughs) (laughs) yes chasing after mariana voss and ellen van dyke um yeah Elisa Longo-Borghini, I mean, she is 21 years old. She combines being a cyclist with being at university. I interviewed her the other week. She's super nice. I mean, I didn't say that to show off. I just said that to to say that I have proof and evidence that she's super nice. Um, And she's in, she's just learning what kind of a cyclist she is. And what kind of a cyclist she is, is a fucking World Cup winner because Mm. she won Trofeo Binder last week. And she has not been shy about saying Flanders is on the top of her list of races she wants to win. Unfortunately, it was also on the top of races that someone else wanted to win. Well, there's also Ellen Van Dyke. And Van Dyke had been on the pro- Van Dyke came second in the Drenthe World Cup and third in Trofeo Binder. And we've always known Van Dyke is a consummate ruler, an amazing time trialist, a, 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 a dangerous sprinter. I mean, she's generally, you see her in the sprint train for Ina Yoko Teutenberg, causing all sorts of chaos and havoc and killing and burning everyone else off. It just and sounded she- like you were describing a cyclist superhero. You know, like instead oh, yeah. of instead of faster than a speeding bullet or all that shit about Superman, who gives a fuck? He never rode a bike. What a tool! Um, you know, this is the cyclist superhero. I think Ellen is. I think well, all of these four are. This is like, I mean, apart from the fact that they're they're not quite the Justice League of America. I hope I got that name right. That's not my team. I think they're more like the New Mutant. They're more like the X Men in that they don't necessarily get on with each other, but they've been put together to battle regardless of their personal feelings for each other, all with different skills and powers. And yeah, anyway, Ellen. So Ellen's Ellen's just Ellen is. I don't know what she's only twenty six. So it's right that she's developing, but she's becoming not just a rider for the flat races. But, you know, she was tweeting her own shock about getting over the hills with a front group in Binder. So, yeah, you've got these four riders. They're very different skills. So Emma Johansson is pretty good at everything. Um, Elisa Belongo-Borghini, she's, she'd say herself, she's got the least good sprint out of those four. So her aim was to attack, attack, attack. And then you've got um, Ellen, Ellen, sprinting, time trialing, hard woman. And then you've got Mariana Voss. Mm-hmm. Oh, Mariana Voss. She and who dances on the pedals. Marianne Voss, who loves the sport more than anyone else in the whole world, and who is just... Marianne Voss, 
the human uh, half half human half bike sen- strange bicycle centaur woman that she is loves Mariana Voss <laughs> if you can send us fan art of centaur <laughs> Bike Centaur Woman, uh, please, I beg you, do. We'll find a way to incorporate that on the social media jersey or some shit like that. That's fucking cool. Please, <laughs> please, I beg. <laughs> but there are very, very few big races. Mariana Voss. I mean, Marianne Voss started, she's she's only 25, but this is like her, obviously her sixth year of her elite career. And she's been riding, you know, so she's been riding for a while and over time, she's won pretty much everything major that she's entered. Mm. I mean, there have been some races that she hasn't raced since she was like 20 or something. And, you know, there are some races that she's never raced. But she's raced, pr- won pretty much everything she's entered, except the Ronde van Vlaanderen. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was true last week. Yes. <laughs> Every time, every time I try to. Oh yeah, yeah, because because nobody listening to this knows the result of the race. Yeah, (laughs) you know, you're right, Sarah. I've ruined it for everyone. I'm sorry. Someone might not. Anyway, (laughs) not anyone that you know, dear. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Not anyone who knows me. Oh my god! Oh my god! None of us won. Anyway, there they are, the four of them together, united in desire to get away from the peloton, and they attack each other. They're not just working together, they're also like giving it a go all the time, you know. It's so exciting, I wanted to see this so much. And behind them, they've got a chase group, and the chase group, you'd think, has some good chances, because it's got Adri Visser and Lizzie Armitstead, who are Bowles Dolman, and it's got young Anna van der Breggen, who's the who writes for this very, very small team, Sengers. But it's just an amazing, amazing talent. I don't know how Sengers managed to keep her last year, this this season, because I imagine every team wanted her. So you'd think Armitstead and Visser, great sprinters, great rulers, and Anna van der Breggen would be able to get away, <laughs> would be able to catch them. But in their chase group were Voss's teammate, Annemiek van Blurten. Oh, no! <laughs> and, and Emma Johansson's teammate, Luz Hunnewijk. <laughs> I can't oh. even imagine. Oh, are you suggesting that they may have somehow disrupted the chase? I'm suggesting that they might have gone on the front and soft pedal for a bit, and that any time anyone looked like they were getting some kind of rhythm, one of them would attack up the side and make them chase like lunatics, and then she'd slow down suddenly. <laughs> and you know, and they'd kind of get themselves into the line, so the line didn't work together, and other things like and, that. And, and at one point, they raced off and, and found an old cart and dragged it across the road, <laughs> set it on fire, and hid behind it, firing guns. I can't... You know, like when you I mean, they might this... as well have, because we couldn't fucking see. So, you know, like, it's all possible. <laughs> but you know when people talk about disrupting the chase? Yep. And, I, I mean, I think... I mean, that must be... It must be so much fun to do, mustn't it? I mean, it's oh, good it would, it would appeal to my evil heart in a, a great deal. But it must piss everyone else off so much. And that psychological torture must be part of it, mustn't it? So oh, there yeah. you are. Yeah. You're right. You, 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 you've got a really good rhythm between three of you. And suddenly there's Anamik, I don't know, weaving across the front of the road. Yeah. I'm sure she wouldn't yeah. do anything dangerous, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Something, though. And and the thing is, then, that you've got, like, uh, what, in this case, it was 30-something other riders all just swearing to get revenge on you next time. <laughs> next time. <laughs> next time, Van Fluten. Next time, Hunnevike. <laughs> Oh, just you wait. 
Just you wait, Lewis yep. Holloway. Just you wait. That's that's what. You're sorry, but your tears will be too late. Because <laughs> that's exactly what pro women cyclists sound like. They either sound like growling men or show tunes. <laughs> God, women's cycling the musical. Oh no, no, God help us, no. You see, Dan, Dan, dear listener, will repeatedly tell me off for not having watched some shitty boy film about guns and aliens. But the man has a cultural black spot, black hole in himself, which he knows nothing about the really, really interesting and wonderful history of musicals. That's, I mean, that's uh, completely untrue. I've seen like five. Plus all the Elvis ones. He says he's he thinks he's a student of film, and yet he doesn't like musical. I mean, the man, the man, uh, what can no, we say? What sane person does like musicals? Really, honestly. <sighs> musicals are great, and the women's I rest the my case. will be wonderful. <laughs> you liked the Buffy musical episode. I know you did. No, I didn't. I tolerated it. It wasn't great. It really wasn't. He's- you know the He's best. Lying. You know the best Buffy episode was the the one where none of them could talk. That was so good. Mm. Anyway, we're on the road, so there we are <laughs> with Voss, Van Dyke, Johansson, and Longo Borghini, and they're pulling time away. They get up to like you know a minute and a half, and they go. They're just pulling away, and they're so good together. But then they just keep attacking each other. Behind them, you have this chase group, and behind them, you have the peloton going, "Fuck, fuck, we've missed the fucking move!" Oh, fuck. Or, you know, as happened to Marine, you're riding up the outer quarrels and someone falls off the cobbles in the middle and lands on you. Yes. And all the crowd are laughing because you're lying there, clips into your pedals, lying on your side. Yes, well, and I mean, and even worse, because she'd lined it up to fall into a conveniently placed policeman uh, in the hopes that he would catch her, hold her up, and, you know, do his policemanly duty and give her a, a push to, to get going again. And the bastard got out of the way. What a bastard! I mean, having you know, I'd love a pro woman cyclist to land on me. Not they're 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 all oh. brilliant and wonderful people, but I imagine they hurt when they land. Oh on come me. on, he's he's one of Belgium's elite police officers. I mean, they must go through rigorous training and selection to get such a prestigious detail. So, oh, what you mean? You mean you mean you mean part of the training is having you know Tom Bonin land on you? <laughs> I'm I, I'm just saying they've got to be prepared for any eventuality. I would expect I, this I, to be a standard part of race preparation. I'm imagining half the people I know, and that includes the men, just going, oh, maybe I can join the police. Some <laughs> might land on me. Yeah, I, I'd do bone-in drills. <laughs> Which doesn't, doesn't sound dirty at all. Oh, so, back to the race. Back mm. to the race. There they are, the four of them. And... No one's shaking each other off as they've gone over the three hills. And then they come into town. And it's like watching it on Twitter. I mean, the the thing is, is the action we see on Twitter. And at this point, I have to give my undying love to Carl Lima and Richie Steege, um, the, my, my, the third person in my trifecta, in my trinity. It's Manel LaCambra, but he's in Miami at the moment. But Carl Lima and Richie Steege who provide in-race commentary, and Carl was joking about how he should lie more in his in-race Twitter commentary, but they, they're they really great because, you know, Richie's a mechanic, Carl's a, Carl's a team manager, they have other things to do at this point, but they're providing us with tweets. But I imagine that by the time you've written a tweet that goes, oh, Anamie's um, boss has attacked and dropped the other three, that the other three have already caught her. 
by the time it, you've tweeted it. It was really interesting actually seeing the lag and also some of the, not misinformation, but like um, accidental mistakes that filtered through because of something that, um, like uh, not to single anyone out, I'm thinking of a specific example with... Um, uh, towards the end of the race, Carl tweeted at one point that Emma had been dropped. And it turned out after the race that she actually hadn't been dropped from that group at all, but that the information coming back from race radio, you know, there was a bit of static or something. And so they mentioned Emma and the the sort of contextual inference was that she'd been dropped. But, you know, I, I don't know what actually happened. Maybe she just went back to the team car for a second or something. I don't know. But... You know, it, it was really interesting because it, it does highlight how we really are flying blind with race coverage. And yeah, we're absolutely blessed on the one hand to have people like Carl and Richie um, who are willing to, to take time out of everything else that they're doing and provide us with what information that they can. And even then, it's an imperfect perception of, of what's actually happening. Yeah. But it does make it very exciting because it lives in your brain and you get very waiting for the next update. You know, mm. is I find it I find it lovely. I'd mean, rather be seeing it live, but so they came in and um Oh and it was also funny because there's like there's like because at one point um Voss and Johansson got a little bit of gap on, on Van Dyke and uh on Van Dyke and Longo Borghini. And um and 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 Carl says, Oh, Elisa looks very tired. Oh, on his tweet. And and you could kind of feel this resignedness in his voice. Shit, she's going to be dropped in a minute. And then it's like, oh, Longo Borghini's attacked. We're <laughs> attacked on the other side. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when you're sandbagging your own team manager, 10 points, Elisa, 10 points. But it did come down to a bunch sprint. And Marana Voss won. And that look of passion and excitement and achievement and happiness on her face there is a great photo which has Voss crossing the line a couple of bike lengths ahead of them uh, uh, the head of the other three with Van Dyke um, uh, you know, chin over the handlebars sprinting with an ah! face on as she comes in second sorry so Voss, what, what kind of face was that a very passionate and giving it everything face no what kind of face if you won't say words for me or sing, I'm not going to redo the Ellen Van Dyke face. <laughs> oh, you, what? You're not so, committed to your fan base? People want to hear the face. Anyway, behind them, so there they are. There's the top four. Voss, Van Dyke, Emma Johansson, eighth podium in a row, and Elisa Longo-Borghini. And yeah, amazing race. And then two minutes 37, Annemiek Van Vleuten, Having frustrated the fuck out of the um, chasing group, sprints for fifth place in yeah. world points. As you do. It's, it's with, a race. It's a yeah. race. It's... With, with Fisser, Van der Breggen, Conowite and Armit said, and then four minutes and 33, Kirsten Veeld wins the sprint for 10th place. And the reason, I mean, you always sprint for these minor placings anyway, but with World Cup points, it does help your overall score. So, Voss is still in the lead of the World Cup rankings, followed by Van Dyke and then Johansson. And I love this competition. There's a flesh volon in um, on the 14th of April is the next World Cup. Then we go to China for a 100% flat race that in the past, Johansson and, and, and Voss just haven't even ridden. Um, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm a little surprised that um, Van Dyke's beating Johansson in the in the points. I hadn't realised that. I know. 
No. I know. I mean, how I can know. you come second in everything? And um, and it's yeah. The, but it's the World Cup, Dan. And there's been three rounds of the World Cup. And in yep. those three rounds, Johansson's come second once and third twice. Yep. Van Dijk's come second twice and third once. So, you know, ah, more points. right. Okay. Uh, right. So, so maybe is this the year then you think that Johansson's going to go to Chongming Island and clean up? Just sweep those points away. Take them all. Given that Chongming Island is 100% flat, the Queen of the Mountains, I'm literally, literally, it's an alluvial island in the middle of the Yangtze River. Um, it's completely flat. The Queen of the Mountains points is when they ride up onto the bridge. <laughs> so maybe not then. Maybe not. So I would think if any race has Ellen Van Dyke, it's windy as fuck and it's really, really tough and hard. And much as I love Emma Johansson as a rider... I would back Van Dyke in that race all the time. And okay. actually, yes. Okay, so maybe not that race, but wow. All right, all right. Sorry. Anyway. And then after that, you have a team time trial. Mm. And, you know, I mean, that's going to be interesting. Rabo versus Orica versus Specialized Lululemon. In the past, Specialized Lululemon dominated team time trials. It used to be that the Cervelo Test team dominated women's team time trials. Oh, they were good, with HTC coming second behind them. But then the Cervelo Test team became Garmin. And, yes. And, um, and HTC TC stepped up. And since then, they've just like, oh, it's a team time trial. Let's just write the winner in now. There's <laughs> Lululemon. But Orica is fantastic. But Specialized Lululemon have lost quite a lot of their... They, they, they downsized this year. And they've lost quite a lot of their of their team time trials stars. But they're still Specialized Lululemon. I have no idea. Rabo is... Orica wants this. And they've been on their training TTT training camps. They want to win this, people. And um, yes, as does Rabobank. Because, you know, what kind of world championship title does Mariana Voss not have yet? Oh, she doesn't have a team time trial one. Brilliant. It's a, it's a <laughs> is challenge. It, is it true? Is it true? The, I've heard rumours, um, and you may be able to confirm for us now, Sarah, that um, the Rabo team time trial training camp has actually just been every rider latching on to Mariana's bike and being towed. <laughs> Do you remember a couple of years ago when it was uh, when it was uh, Fabian Cancellara at, San at Saxo Bank? Yeah. And there was that team time trial, I think it was in the Giro, where it was basically Fabian having to ride slower. Yes, yeah. He actually unclipped, oh, he, he unclipped at one point and just rode with his left leg so that the Schlecks yeah. could keep up. It was Leopard, wasn't it? Yeah. It was like, yeah, it was, um, yeah, it was like, yeah, brilliant. You know, when when you're team time trialing and the key and your key message is to ride slower. Yeah. Dear Fabian, I'm not sure that was the team for you. Love Sarah, but um, yeah. <laughs> oh, he's giving you the eyebrows. <laughs> Fabian giving me his eyebrows. See, that just sounds wrong too. <laughs> anyway, um, anyway, yeah. So the women didn't stop. They um, went straight. Um, oh yeah, the other two. So basically, the other World Cup. So we have the Open. We Chongming Islands. Then at the end of August, we have the Open to Sweden for Gorda team time trial. Then we have the Open to Sweden for Gorda road race, which is in Sweden. Hello, Swedes. I love all the Swedes. The Swedes are brilliant. I want to go to the Gorda. Um, and they and it's 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 loopy and it tends to be won by a hard by a hard as nails sprinter who can get over hills. 
oh, Ellen Van Dyke, you say? <laughs> <laughs> and then the final race of the, the final race of the World Cup is the GP de Plouay, um, which is much, much, much more of a Johansson race than a Van Dyke race. But who knows? I mean, the season's a long, long way away. It's going to be a fun competition, people. I can't wait. And yeah. Wow. The women well, didn't stop. On I know. Monday. We finally got to the end of Flanders, and oh my um, God, and I'm so... exhausted already. But the women just didn't stop racing. I think all the but... men took a rest day because you know pussies. Um, but the women decided to have another race. Yeah, the women raced the GP Dottigny, which is a sprinty Flemish race, part of the Lotto Cycling Cup series of races. And that was run uh, won by Vera Kuaduda. Um Yay, Vera! She hasn't been around so much recently, and I'm, I'm, I'm happy to see her winning. Um, Vera this year is riding for the Sanger's Ladies team. And Iris Slappendel, six seconds behind her, with Shana Van Passen um, coming in third at 48 seconds behind. And Laura Trott coming in fourth behind her. And I'm surprised by Laura Trott. I really am because she always said oh I hate riding road I hate it I want to be indoors in the warmth in the in the dry you know and and I've seen Wiggle Honda's fantastic assault on the press I mean dear god Wiggle Honda I've just got the press you know just this morning there's an article in the Guardian about Energy Watch tour because of what Wiggle Honda are doing in the press you know congratulations to them they're doing they're, they're playing the game really really well but I had wondered if, if you know, bigging up Laura Trott's chances was maybe a little bit premature, given that she hates riding on the road. She hasn't done that much of it. I mean, Danny King and Joanna Roussel have ridden road for years and years with um, yep. Steph Wyman. I, I, I think it's all a question of motivation, though, and I'm not 100% sure because I don't um, get clued in on all tactical decisions for all teams. But I'm pretty sure Laura was told that she's not allowed to ride track again until she wins a, a major race, a major road race. So um, that's basically guaranteeing some kind of result from Laura this year because <laughs> she's desperate to get back to the track, but she's not allowed to even look at a track until she's won a road race. <laughs> yes. Mm. And then yesterday we started the Energy Watch Tour. Oh, I love this tour, Dan. It's so cool. It's, it's, it's just... It's a really nice race for fans. They love their fans. They love interacting with their fans. They love social media. They're active on Facebook and Twitter and YouTube and the website. And they're so, so friendly. So, so nice. Um, it's run by Daniela Beckering, who is a former speed skater and cyclist at a very high level. And Antis Rundhuis who was a director sportif for the team Mariana Voss started out on, DSB Bank, and he helped set up high-tech products. And he's, yeah, so between them, you've got a former DS and a former um, a former, a former pro, you know. These are, this is a Reasonable pedigree for, for people to organise a race, yeah. Yeah, and, and it's, it's, six, it's six stages over five days. It's all flat, but they do that really fun thing where it's lots of circuit racing. So if you're someone turning out to watch the race, you see the riders quite a lot, and it's mm. worth sticking around in. And it's also, it, you know, it's the Netherlands, so it's windy as all fuck, and echelons the whole way. Oh, yeah, this is the race that's known for. I think it was, um, it's known for a couple of years ago, it would be, oh, kilometer 12, and Netherlands Blue have attacked, and that's all their team, plus Emma Johansson, plus two riders from HTC, plus some lucky girl who was in the right place at the right time. Holy fuck, she's happy! You know, and, and or, or, oh, look, kilometer, kilometer, kilometer eight, and all of Specialized Lululemon are up the road. <laughs> and they've oh, yeah. turned into a headwind, and the group's back together. 
<laughs> yeah, but no. Well, no. I yeah. mean, those those breaks. If if you have one of those lucky breaks, you know, luck, I, I, this year my bet is it's going to be all Orica. Mm. But you know, in the past, it's all Medellin Blue, all specialized Lululemon. And one of the when one of those breaks goes, yeah. If, if you're in one of those races and one of those breaks has gone up in the road, it's just hell because you're basically riding, oh what, a hundred odd kilometers slogging through the wind and the cold and the real races happening up the road and the fucking distances how are they extended their leave on <laughs> damn it when they're only 12 people and we've got the whole peloton fuck i hate this fucking race oh dear god more road furniture jesus she's got her elbow up her nose i'm gonna miss the time cut fuck fuck why can't i ride faster this wind it feels like i'm going nowhere i hate this sport i'm never coming back and that dear listener is why sarah is not allowed commentate races <laughs> this is this is what goes on in your head between tweets isn't it <laughs> i just have empathy daniel it's an important thing oh, i have beer and i'd rather keep it thanks <laughs> no i mean you so, say i mean yesterday i so it's six it's six stages um there's an individual time so because it's all flat they have intermediate sprint bonifications that clamp to the general classification and that makes it a really hard race because i mean not that the women do this anyway but there's no such thing as this let's all ride together quite nicely and then have a sprint at the end thank you very much it's just murder 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 cycle murder cycle and yeah i love it i love it um and they have an ITT this year to help. And, you know, when we're looking at a race that's all flat and it's all difficult, tough sprinting in the wind, and there's an ITT, it does, like, if it's a 25, 20, 20-odd kilometre ITT, it does kind of look like Ellen Van Dyke might do slightly well in this. Um, I, I, my prediction is it's going to be between Veeld and Van Dyke, Kirsten Veeld and Ellen Van Dyke, because they're just great at this and yeah i'll tell you who about stage one but when you look down the list of people who are still in the game at stage one you're like yeah tough as fuck but yeah that that's that time trial does make it quite eleny so basically what this means is that every other rider is going to be attacking her to death <laughs> poor ellen is going to basically have to be on her game all the time paying attention every three seconds because if ellen even looks down someone's going to be up the road it's going to be fun race to watch well, unless Ellen um, takes the, the inverse tactic and just attacks the fuck out of the race herself the whole time. Well, this is special. And, and you know, how unlike specialised Lululemon that I know, be. I know. They are the most famously reticent team in the peloton. <laughs> it's, it's true. It's surprising they, they win so many races, given how laid back they are. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But this one, we get to see daily highlights and it's like so every night there's like an 11 50 or a 15 minute highlights package on um dutch channel rtl rtl i can't say that in dutch rtl i could lie but i don't know what it really is um one of these amazing dutch regional channels that sticks the race out on tv then puts it on the internet ungeo restricted oh my god we love them um i put links on our site prowomenscycling.com um, if you <laughs> I think that's bank- actually the longest we've gone in a podcast without mentioning it <laughs> I did it deliberately. I was trying really uh, hard. But we put links. If you want to thank RTL for providing us with this coverage, please, please do. Just send them a tweet. Send them an email. Uh, fill in their email form or or, or say something on Facebook because this is so great. This is really good coverage and it's a really good race. Unfortunately, stage one didn't quite go the way the organisers wanted. Well, 
parts of it didn't go the way the organisers wanted. <laughs> I think they cited Murphy's Law. Murphy! Such a motherfucker, Murphy. They had... I mean, there were no crashes, thank goodness, and I kept thinking, oh, this is terrible, oh, this is terrible, but oh, thank fuck, no crashes. They had... Um, they had uh, the police directed the second group on the road down the road the wrong way. They had a bridge that which, they... Which, honestly, you have to cry conspiracy theory at that point. Someone from the first group had to afflict them a few, a few bucks as they went past because they'd already directed a group the right way. They'd, they'd had a practice run and got it right. So what changed? What changed? Then... The riders were merrily riding down the road, attacking, 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 and a fucking van appears, a giant lorry appears out of nowhere, coming in the wrong direction. And then they got caught up by a bridge opening. Um, bridge openings in these Dutch races with lots of canals are, of course, the equivalent to level crossings in Paris-Roubaix or the Tour de France. Mm. But yeah, they had a bridge opening, and the riders at this point were like, fuck this, we're protesting. Stopped on the finish line of the last lap. Sort this out. We were ahead. That group behind us didn't come through. Um, Gracie Elvin said, they re restarted, and Gracie Elvin's blog said, some riders were trying to sneak through from the second group to the first group. <laughs> 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 which, which, which I don't think is fair. Well, possibly not, yes. I mean, I, I, but, you know, it's that age-old thing, isn't it? It's, it's only a broken rule if you're caught, so... Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah so, uh, yeah, um... And honestly, I don't know that it had a huge impact on the outcome of the first stage, given uh, the the actual winner. So, you know. given the podium, no, I mean, I don't think it did either. It must have been frustrating as hell, though, because it's oh, still yeah. quite cold and windy. And stop, start, stop, starts. I mean, as I said, these organisers are brilliant organisers. They work really, really hard. They're not one of these shitty races where you know where where there's always going to be cars on the road, or one of yeah. these crappy races where they where they where they try and kill you. They've thought about every. Exactly. Really it's not like really I organized. Sure. Yeah, it's not like I organized a race and just made sure that there was enough beer at the end. You know, <laughs> it's it, this is a proper race. Yeah, it's yeah. a proper, proper, proper race, and it's very out of character for them. They've got a statement on their website in Dutch, which is basically, we're really fucking sorry. We tried really hard, and it all happened. So here's hoping that that is the all the bad luck for the race. Used up in one day. Compacted um, into one stage for, you know, typical Dutch efficiency. <laughs> yes, exactly. For easy recycling yes. into awesome. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah, and yeah, and so when you... Bear in mind this is a flat race. Um, Kirsten Veeld won. No way, I'm completely shocked. Ellen van Dijk in second. No way, completely shocked. In third place, um, three seconds behind, Iris Slappendel... And no way. White. Completely shocked. In fifth, Adri Visser, 10 seconds behind, bringing, bringing that bunch sprint. With Anna van der Breggen um, in that bunch, uh, this is all the 10 second bunch. Anna van der Breggen, Lisa Brenauer, Annemiek van Vleuten, Christine Majerus, Danny King. So there's quite a lot of, of people there. It's, it's really interesting. Um, there's basically... Uh, come down to uh, Micah Paulspaul. There's 24 riders who haven't. There's 24 riders with a, with between three and ten and sixteen seconds, and then at one uh, one minute and eleven, you've got you've got the next group. And I think at this point, losing one minute and eleven is a little bit difficult. Yep. It's it's quite it's quite hard. 
That would yes. be a lot to make up in the TT, yes. Yes. So it's yeah, so it's quite interesting mm. where we are at the moment. But so, I yeah. mean that's that's still a good bunch of, of riders, you know, in contention for podium spots there. So, you know, a lot to watch out for. Be oh, interesting gotcha. to see. I mean Vield Vield Van Dyke, Slappendel, Hunwijk, Visser, these are riders you expect to be there. I mean, yeah. looking down, there's the people, well, you know, there's no Georgia Bronzy. Lizzie Armitstead is only 10 seconds behind. Mm. Um, you know, you've got riders like Trixie Warwick up there in that 10, in that 10, in that 10 second group. Gracie Elvin for Orica. Gracie Elvin, another Orica rider up there. You know, there's, there's a lot of interesting riders from a nice range of teams. Yes. So, yeah. Um, one rider you won't see on the list is Mariana Voss. And that's because she's been quite busy this week. She um, has been she, a little bit busy, hasn't she? She went from um, she she rode a mountain bike race on the Sunday on the Monday after um, on the Monday after 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 Vlaanderen, and has won it because Marianneka has put up on her website a list of all the race, races she's going to be riding this year, and it does have a lot of mountain bike on it. Mm. And she's going to the USA to ride. Um, She's going to America to ride the Sea Otter Classic mountain bike race um, if, on the 19th of April. Fuck um, so yeah. That's awesome. But this is a really weird thing. This is her calendar, right? So on the, on, on the 13th of April, sorry, on the, on the 17th of April, she rides Flesh Volon. On the 19th of April, she rides the Sea Otter Classic. And I think, Mariana, what are you doing? When do you get to relax? And then on the 26th of April, she's back for the festival at Luxembourg. Elsie Jacobs after Luxembourg race. It's one of my favourites. But, but that's, then, that's awesome, though. If you're a mountain biker, if you're a US women's mountain biker, you should be targeting the shit out of the sea otter because this is your chance to wander around for the rest of your life going, fuck yeah, I beat Mariana Voss. Because if she's going to jam it between two, two rather large road commitments like that, you know, this is your shot. This is your shot. Get in there. I assume they might have offered her a little bit of money to turn up to that one, but I think she also really enjoyed going to America this year for the world for the you know for the world championship. She had a really good time. I think she's riding she's riding for fun this year. But then in May, Mariana rides her first mountain bike World Cup. Nineteenth mm-hmm. of she has this long gap. Between, well, long for Mariana. She has this gap between the festival Elsie Jacobs on the twenty sixth of around the 26th of April, and then she has a couple of weeks off but before the Alvstad Mountain Bike World Cup in right. Germany. Yep. <sighs> I mean, she is coming back for the roads. She's got a very, very light program related uh, in, for previous years, and I think that's good. Um, I don't know if you saw the stuff about her book that's come out, this because that's the other thing Marianne's got, is her book this year, Optatrun. Yes, On the Throne. I don't know if it has the same cultural connotations in, um, in, in Australia as it does in England. Oh, yes, it does. It was my dad's favourite reading spot. So Yes, yes. exactly. Yes. Yes. Um, mm. yes. Mm. Mariana. Um, yes, apparently it might come out in English, and we all suspect it might have a different title by then. Possibly. Possibly. But, you know, it might also have another chapter about illustrious mountain biking exploits as well. So, <laughs> No, I was, I was really interested to read, actually, um, some of the interviews and, and things about um, the, the story. For those who, who don't know, the book is obviously um, related to, to Mariana's success in cycling, uh, with a particular focus on last year, yeah? Yeah, I think yeah. the journalist was following her around last yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. So but, it's not like... There were there were anecdotes about things like um, her preparation for the Olympic race and how she wanted to win so badly that she 
you know, got into this really almost obsessive headspace, you know, lost a lot of weight, got down to about 50 kilos, um, was really, really focused on that race. And, um, and uh, you know, I think it's uh, very, um, you know, good and, and healthy to hear more stories of the hardship. Um, yeah. And... You know, for want of a better term, I've not read the book yet, so I'm not saying this as as uh, an actual review. But you know, the touch of crazy that maybe maybe happens sometimes um, yeah. in in the pursuit of of these sorts of big achievements. Yeah, I mean, I, it's hard to tell because we get these things through translations, and so we lose the nuance of language. But it's like basically talking about ending up anorexic, like not necessarily anorexic because of trying to be anorexic but apparently she just upped her training so much mm. and didn't up her calories and I mean it was quite worrying being a boss fan this time last year because she was very 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 skinny mm. I mean she's always been very skinny but she lost a lot of weight in 2011 when she raced the Giro and I, uh, ben Atkins once said that he thinks her problem is that it's not so much that she's trying to lose weight, it's just that she's going at full gas all the time and her body never gets the chance to put on any weight mm. because she just burns up everything she eats and that's what happened. And um, I think it sounds like, you know, last year when she came to set, she had a really bad spot this time last year because she was had flu and couldn't contest Flanders. Yep. And then the flesh full on, she lost in the final sprint to Evelyn Stevens. And it's not to detract anything from Evie's skill and talent and brilliant bike riding by Evie. It's just amazing. But, you know, that was an unexpected thing. Voss just lost her power at the top of the climb. Yeah. And I think that must have been quite... I mean, I think about what I think about what could have happened, Dan. You know, like, like it's so lucky. It's lucky it was caught and it's lucky she came back from it. Because this could have been a very different story if she had... Yeah. carried on being a bit crazy mm, mm. Yeah. And, if it had know, gone and, and, to gone to the extreme that it that it you know quite plausibly could have gone to yeah you're right this could be one of cycling's greatest tragedies yeah um, and especially yeah. i mean especially because what it would do to you if you'd you know i mean Voss famously has been very frustrated by coming you know what was it five times in the world championship second mm, yes um five silver medals and well you know and and I, I think if she'd have lost it, and then if she'd have lost it through something, I don't want to say that it was her fault because I don't, you know, do you know what I mean? Though, but if she'd yeah. lost it, she'd yeah. have just she'd have just spent the rest of her life beating herself up about it. So, yeah. you yeah. know, Mariana, everyone I've ever spoken to has only had nice things to say about Voss. Mm. You know, mm. no one said something bitchy in a corner, or yeah. or you know, everyone who's met her just universally thinks she's a lovely lovely person and mm. she comes across like that and i think she genuinely is a lovely person who really loves riding her bike so you know really i want this book to be translated into english because it sounds so much more interesting than the average yeah. rider biography it does doesn't it i mean that's the thing i think is you know like there's a there's a riskiness in in opening up and being vulnerable and telling you know, those ugly parts of the story, um, you know, and it's the sort of thing that we don't see, you know, from from men's cycling, for example, uh, very often, unless it's, you know, in the the prism of a, a doping confessional tell-all, you know, I'm on my way back, or a, or a post-retirement kind of, you know, expose. And usually even then, it's all framed in a in a kind of, 
you know, I went through the dark time, but I maintained my focus and discipline and, and triumphed over everything. Yeah. You know, and this I, doesn't I, sound like that kind of story. It's, it's a no. different kind of story. It sounds like she was lucky. I mean, the, I guess the equivalent I can think of is Bradley Wiggins talking about how after the 2008 Olympics, he basically had a year of alcoholism. And it took it, and it took a lot of work, and a lot of work from his wife. I mean, his his long suffering, massively long suffering wife and family, to get him back. Mm. You know, it's like it's not. This isn't something that's easy. Yeah. And I, I, I but you, you're right. You, you know, I mean, Vicky. I mean, I guess, I guess you have the kind of Vicky Pendleton. I was stark raving crazy type yeah. biography. But that's kind of raises more, makes me more angry than anything else. You know, well, why the fuck didn't British Cycling look after her so well? Mm. You know, if she was this bonkers, what the fuck were they doing letting her race? You know, it's 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 an interesting thing. Well, it, so, it's, yeah. it's a fascinating thing about the social relationship with sport too, because we gloss over, you know, the kinds of personalities that, that tend to have the focus and drive to succeed at the extreme levels of anything. And that could be business or sport or, or whatever. Um, but it, it does, you know, favour certain types of personalities and that comes with certain types of risks. Um, you know, I mean, not to get into it deeply, but I think that's part of why there's um, always a certain level of concern around doping in sports because the kind of personality that's driven to succeed no matter what the method or the cost is the kind of personality that will succeed. Yeah. Uh, but but it also means that they're selecting for higher likelihood of risk taking behaviour, yeah. and um, and it it comes full circle in in the questions of well what's the social responsibility that we as a society entertained by these athletes and performers which is really yeah. what they are um, to ensure that that those aren't the the sort of positions and and options that are placed out there and yeah all of that sort of stuff but anyway yeah. point being sounds like a fucking awesome book can't wait to read it um yeah. would happily would happily let one of our our uh dutch speaking listeners uh record it as a book on tape for me <laughs> uh, don't even have to translate it i'll just happily fall asleep listening to someone whispering soothingly in dutch um although i've i've been reliably informed that the hard g would wake me up consistently so you know that's yeah. fine mm. Mm. Yes, dear Dutch listeners, if any, if, if, dear people who speak Dutch, if any of you can provide. Yes, exactly. Uh, well, anyway, with with all of that, Sarah, do you think it's time to take our science geek hats off and move into the new corner? The new corner with a new cocktail. I would love yes. a cocktail with a new corner. Yes, dear listener, we have decided that this week we are going to inaugurate to go with our Polemica cocktail, Polemica Corner. So everyone, take off your science geek hat, put it back in the hat cupboard or the, the hat uh, chest that you may keep your hats in, and uh, and join us over in the Polemica Corner. A refreshing cocktail for those of you who don't remember. It's the uh, one part Pim's Cup, one part ginger beer, a little bit of ground ginger root if you want that little bit of extra kick, a good, nip, a good nip of your favourite whiskey. Rum's acceptable, but honestly, rum's for sailors. And, um, you know, uh, a bit of citrus. I personally prefer some lime with an orange slice. And um, Sarah and I disagree at this point, but I think some diced red delicious apple just tops it off nicely. I, I, I don't believe apple belongs in a cocktail. I think I will have mine with a raspberry on a stick. Okay, that's acceptable. But then I suggest that we also finish with a, a fresh 
uh, mint leaf. Just, you know. Oh, always. Always yes. a front mint I will agree there. So we now have Polemica. Because this weekend has been nothing if not Polemica. Polemica full. And yes, we are going to talk about Peter Sagan. And um, yes, the, the arse grab that shook the world. Well, I mean, Peter's, I mean, if you have by some miraculous chance missed it, this is Peter Sagan. Quick, well, quick, stop listening now because it's, it's your chance to escape. <laughs> Peter Sagan was on the podium of the Ronde van Vlaanderen. Fabian Cancellara was the centre of all attention, getting kissed by two ladies to the podium girls. Peter Sagan didn't like that he was not in the centre of all attention. As someone said, using a woman in a homosocial, because this is a homosocial world, using the woman as a way to get attention back to himself, grabbed the arse of a podium girl. Mm. <sighs> yes, poor form Peter. Uh, completely unprofessional, very disrespectful. Wrong, 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 wrong. I think we've roundly covered that one off and I don't think it bears a lot more discussion. If you can't tell that what he did was wrong and can't tell why what he did was wrong, then please stop fucking listening because I've got nothing more to say to you. You know what? I mean, this is the thing. is It's not so much the arse grab because everyone... Knows, but people defending it. Yes, I mean, that's, that's what I find amazing. Name, name any other workplace in the modern world where you can walk in, grab someone's ass. And not be immediately shipped off to HR for a stern warning and possibly a summary, you know, firing. I mean, he's... And, and some of the justifications were, okay, she was wearing provocative clothing. Now, I went to look at this provocative clothing So if, if Peter Sagan had raped her, would that have been okay? Because she well, was wearing know, provocative clothing. You, you know what she was wearing? It's the same fucking argument, she though. Was wearing, it was a shift dress that had no cleavage at all. It went up to the neck and it went down to an inch above the knee. It was black with white trimming. This is a this is a job that anyone would wear. This is a dress that anyone would wear to work. I mean, how is that provocative clothing? Oh my god! Oh my god! I just oh. Yes. You know the worst yes. thing about this argument, Daniel, is that every time people use that argument, men can't control themselves. It's basically saying that you are some kind of fucking animal who has no self-control, no willpower, no no agency over his own life. Oh my God, a pretty girl, I've got to grab her because somehow you're a lesser human being than I am. What the fuck? Mm. <laughs> and men, and men, so, and it's like men who say, oh, well, you know, she's wearing provocative clothing. She was a sex object. Like, what the fuck is she a sex object? She's a pretty girl on a fucking podium. That doesn't mean that a fucking fuck. Not just that, but she's at work. I mean, that's oh, that's that, that's the thing that is just. I mean, it's but never it acceptable. It, it's bad enough up. in a social situation. I mean, yeah. you know, if if he was four pints into an eight pint bender and grabbed an ass in the pub, it would still be wrong. But I would have a certain certain like tiny tiny amount of understanding for you know impaired thinking and all that sort of shit. But. I Yes, well, okay, fair enough. I did say tiny, tiny, and I gestured tiny, tiny. But anyway, the, the thing is, she's at work and he's at work. And I think that's that's the key thing. They're both at fucking work. And they're both representing a race. He's representing his team. They're collectively representing a suite of sponsors. And one of them acted professionally and one of them didn't. And this is the thing that I actually find really amazing is... You know, Sagan's been quite rightly roundly criticised and um, and you know received his due. He earned it and he apologised. You know, to to acknowledge the the action that was taken later, he did apologise. But 
what I would love to have seen more of was more um, support, enthusiasm, applause, etc., etc., for the professionalism of the, uh, the the model in question. You know, she did nothing to uh, bring the race into disrepute. She did nothing to cause further offence to anyone. She stood her ground on on what was done being wrong. She gracefully accepted the the apology that was proffered. Uh, if I were a race organiser, I would be making a beeline to hire this woman for every podium in every race ever. Because yeah, if there's but... someone who's going to represent your your event with grace and dignity and class, I think she's proven that. Yeah, my 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 Maya Leye. I'm sorry, I can't say her name right. I'm terrible at the, at the Flemish. Yeah, Maya Leye. And the other thing that people were saying was, oh well, she's accepted Sagan's apology, so everyone else should move on. And you're like. Well, she had this thing, she, so she had a statement where she was saying, yeah, I was surprised by it and shocked, and I thought about turning around and slapping him, but I couldn't because I was at work. Mm. I've accepted his apology, let's move on. But her apology is the, in the context of being at work. She's still got a contract with Flanders Classics, you know what I mean? She can't. She can't suddenly go, oh, yeah, he's an absolute fucker, and I just wish I'd, you know, I wish I'd punched him in the nose, what a wanker, because she's still representing the brand, you know? <laughs> Uh, oh. And and it, and it is somewhat thing. unrealistic and naive if she were to assume that she could somehow prevent the the up and coming star of of all things cycling from being invited to any future races. You know she's going to yeah. lose that that argument. So yeah, you know. but the thing but the thing that bothers me as well is there's a lot of people on the day going, oh well he's apologised, she's accepted it, let's all forget about it. And oh, you know, and, and that pissed me off too, actually, because they go, oh, I've seen some really extreme reactions, and I haven't seen extreme reactions to this from people. I have seen people suggest he should be fined and maybe face a race ban, yeah. But I haven't seen people. Oh, people were suggesting he should be crucified and strung up, and I'm like, I've not seen that. I just maybe I'm in the wrong corner of the internet. What I did see was a lot of people saying to Jane Aubrey, who had the temerity to complain about it, that a she's jealous. B, she should get more sex and she'd see this sense of humour of it. C, she's a humanless, you know, humanless feminazi. D, she's over the top. And you're like, I don't get it. I don't get it. And people are like, oh, well, that woman, you know, some girls are going, well, I don't mind. I wouldn't mind being grabbed at work. So I don't know why you're all complaining about it. And you're like, I don't, I just, this isn't, it's not... It's not something you can easily forget because this mm. is something where women's, you know, this is something where women's place in cycling, you know, is is on the is on the podium like this. And now we're in a situation. The other excuses were he's 23. He's from Slovakia and they have different cultural mores, which funnily enough, we're supposed to accept when it's about groping women, but we're not supposed to accept when it's about doping. Uh, what were the other ex excuses? Oh, it was a joke. Yeah, um, it fails all of those tests. It, you know, wasn't funny. Uh, it, yeah, it doesn't really matter what cultural differences. Um, when you're in a country, you adopt the cultural practices of the country you're in, not maintain the ones of the country you're from. And, 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 and he, he, he must have watched cycling podiums before. And this was the other thing is, some people are, I mean, I don't like podium girls as a thing, Yeah. I would rather have podium prizes given out by, A, 
children in local cycling clubs. B, the sponsors, because that gives us a chance to thank them. C, former riders who've won the race. D, local heroes, etc., etc. I do like it when you get outraged enough to form lists. It's it's pretty cool. It is. Sorry, just an aside. Yeah, no, no, I do. I know exactly what you mean, and I I, I agree. I I think no, but this is the thing that um, that football does really well because it's always you know it's always kids from like the local club, and you know that's much better. Much. Yeah, or cyclocross races where it's like a guy who's seventy-eight and won the first edition of this race or something, you know. <laughs> and and but he still I, climbed over the fence and carried his bike here. It's amazing. Yeah, and 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 there's, but there's a suggestion that that they should podium. That, I mean, mm. I think if you get rid of podium girls, you should get rid of podium girls because you want to get rid of podium girls, not because some twenty, not because if we have podium girls, some twenty-three-year-old is going to grab them because oh my god, he's such a witty, funny young man, Slovakian, overcome with excitement at the race. Um, I do think it was as much about him trying to steal Cancellara's limelight. As anything else, you know, I and, and Cancellara said this about him in the past that he's a that you know that he's a that he's like that. But yeah, I'm just, I mean, I it's not. I think if anyone is out there listening, going, oh yeah, but why are you still making a fuss about this, Sarah? It's like you know, a couple of days later, it's because it's totemic of what cycling thinks of us. You know, I've really struggled with men's cycling. I struggled with the doping. I struggled with. Armstrong, I want to love it again. I really want my love of men's cycling to come back because it's a fucking amazing sport. But you know, when you know when well, the Ronde van Vlaanderen race organizer, when he did it, you know, tweeted a picture of him with Naughty Sagan, and it turned up in my timeline with "What a lad!" You know, being retweeted by people. You're like, cycling doesn't want me. Men's cycling doesn't want me. Well, and it keeps showing me that. Yeah. See, and that's the thing that always really hurts and depresses me because I feel like I've got no statistical basis or whatever for this but I feel like that can't possibly be true I mean surely there are more men in cycling like myself you know surely we're the majority we're you know this is this has to be a non-representative minority I mean you know and and there was a lot of a lot of great comments from um from guys on Twitter in, in support of the, the criticism yeah. of, of Sagan's actions as well. You yeah. know, it, it's... I think that's the thing that's really sad, is that somehow um, there's a combination of tradition um, and and sort of an unwillingness to actually confront the real issues head-on, you know, because yeah. of because of all of those sorts of factors. And, and I really think that's where the future of it is. And particularly at a time when we are really starting to, to see the, the early flexing of muscles um, in terms of trying to generate parity and equality for women cyclists and for women in cycling as a sport in all roles and all positions and in all parts of the sport. And, you know, I, yeah, I, I just think it's part of the broader conversation cycling needs to have about yeah. itself, what it is, what it's for, yeah. who's involved, why they're involved and how yeah. we treat each other with respect. At yeah. the end of the day though, I come back to the simple fact of the matter is, uh, you pointed this out to me. I think it was Adam Myerson, the, the, uh, writer on Twitter who I think quite hilariously summed it up when he was like, you know, even strippers, you can go to their place of work, watch them get naked, and you're still not allowed to grab them on the ass. 
you know, it's it's yeah. like it's that was just wrong. Martin retweeted, yeah, and and actually, yeah, and and I should say the vast vast majority of guys were on the supportive side, and you know, people like Adam Myerson and Michael Hutchinson got absolutely, you know, and much as much as Laura Wiselow and Jane Aubrey and Maiko and and lovely people mm. like that got bashed. The boys got bashed almost, the boys, I mean, you know, the boys, they didn't have this kind of sexualized stuff thrown at them. But, you know, the boys who, who, the men who mentioned it, you know, if they were a public man, they got slated for betraying the bros or something. Mm. And, you know, the responses to Hutch and the responses to Myerson were, you know, were kind of like, but but you're so humorless and we just want to have fun and it's political correctness gone mad. And yeah, but most blokes, most guys are, you know, because, you know. It's not like we're divided into men and women in the world. We're all people. Exactly. You know, exactly. And, and, and you know, and I love, you know, I love the guys. I love, you know, I love, I love you all. All the people who stood up and said, "Yeah, it's not good. It's not good enough, actually." Mm. You know, and I don't care if you think I'm humorless, and I don't care if you think. Well, I'm but the thing less is, it's not funny. It isn't funny. That's just such a complete straw man argument. It really irritates me. I mean, honestly, if you are dumb enough to think that being juvenile um you know and 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 behaving completely irresponsibly and inappropriately in a modern workplace is funny then get the fuck out of cycling because i, I have I'm, no place for you here and, and that's I mean, that's my simple truth you know yeah. just get the fuck out because yeah. the rest of us are adults and we're actually trying to make this thing better that's yeah. I'm closing this cor- this this chapter of polemica corner for myself. I mean, please make your yeah. closing statement, Sarah. But I'm done. No, no, no. I'll, I'll, I think, yeah, dear listener, welcome to Dan and Sarah's polemica corner. You might wish you just fast forwarded over this part as we ran. <laughs> At least you had a cocktail to. to yeah. yeah, it's not the only thing in polemica corner because I really enjoyed Ira Slappendale's latest blogs. Now, I think Slappendale must use language in a really interesting way because Google Translate can't cope with her blogs at all. Um, but yeah, Ira Slappendale had a really interesting blog this week with lots of polemica. But she was saying about how the team had been joking about being about the rabo doping, and apparently they were staying in a hotel, which they thought was well known had been stayed in for cyclists for years and years and years because it was a really good hotel with a really good coffee. <laughs> but it turns out it's actually because it's next door to a pharmacy that yeah. used to provide all the EPO. It turned out, <laughs> so, turned out when in the in the hotel description they said conveniently appointed to local amenities. <laughs> <laughs> They had a completely different thing in mind than the cafes. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, so and um, that's a fun. That's there's all sorts of more polemica in there. Um, I yes, really like the, um, the 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 amazing properties of cinnamon, among other things. You know. Yes, uh, yeah. yes, the amazing properties that were, which apparently they're eating a lot of cinnamon because it's very because it's and, apparently good for something. Yeah, the 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 course of studies at the University of Wageningen apparently um, focus quite heavily on on the medicinal uses of cinnamon. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but Iris hasn't no- Iris hasn't noticed any um any any um any 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 uh yeah. any effects herself. But apparently, if you offer a cinnamon bun to Annemiek van Vleuten, <laughs> she goes weak at the knees. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which, ironically enough, is the new sprint tactic from anyone racing against her. <laughs> yeah, <a> cinnamon bar. <laughs> so um. 
Oh, more in Polemica Corner. Mm. Um, in Saudi Arabia, women are ki- women are allowed to ride bicycles now. I know. Kinda. Now, this is the kind of thing that in in the vast majority of the world sounds like amazing and ridiculous, you know, and generally comes under the heading of, what the fuck? You mean they couldn't? Yeah, it's the same as the Afghanistan bike team yes. that we talked about last week, actually, yes. where yeah. we take, you know, just having that moment to take it for granted that, you know, that, that, that Sagan Gate is a shock because it's a shock and, and rare, you mm. know, and mm. that I can get on my bike and ride wherever I want and people will not look at me twice. Well, they might look at my terrible style. <laughs> <laughs> and your rusty chain and, you know. And, yeah, the terrible state of my bike. That I and the fact in. that you're but, riding yeah, in gumboots, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, they might look at me for that. But, you know, but yeah, in, in Saudi Arabia, women are now allowed to ride their bikes in certain places if accompanied by an appropriate man. Mm. But it's a step forward. And, it is a step you know, forward, and it should be celebrated. And particularly uh, in Saudi Arabia, um, you know, there are ongoing issues about women being allowed to drive at all, um, let alone in the company of uh, an appropriate family member, male, um, or, or were still on their own. Um, so, you know, this is actually a very important step forward and it's the, the start, hopefully, of a progression towards more transport freedom for women. So, yeah, yeah. which we can, you know, so yeah, it's, 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 it's good and mm. let's hope it's followed by more steps soon. Yeah. So don't forget, uh, the bike is fucking important, you know, it's an important yeah. social and political tool. Don't, don't forget that. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. Um, two more things I just want to say a big shout out to anyone who's doing the 30 days of biking mm. um, there's still time to sign up for that just pledge to try and ride your bike every day in April it's really really simple um, so hi to all of you who are doing that we'll link to us on our blog um, congratulations I'm I'm with you in spirit if not in uh... <laughs> if not in practice Yes. Yeah, what with university, what with university, um, what's the word for it, uh, deadlines and managing to hurt my knee, I'm not there on my bike with you, but mm. I'm there in spirit. Mm. Yes. And I also liked the Specialised Lululemon's final part of the slideshow by photographer Emily May from their spring team camp. Yes. Um, I don't know if you've seen any of these. Yes, yes, absolutely. They're um, nice they're video slideshows. They're narrated by Emily, who's who talks about. I mean, I'm I'm doing a photography degree part time, so it's very interesting to me because she also talks about the challenges of mm. being an embedded photographer and how she did it and and, and what she did and, and spotting the moment. So I yeah. love these. I, yeah. and, and the photos are great. And and I think that's know, I think that's awesome. I I really enjoyed those little bits of story behind what she was going for and when you know you you, there'll be a little thing where like earlier in the day something happened and that made her think of a particular feel or or type of photo that she wanted to capture later and so she kept looking for that and when she saw it she she took it you know yeah and that whole process is really really interesting and it's just a a very different perspective on you know a beloved cycling team yeah yeah and uh, yeah lovely mm. um wiggle honda i mentioned them earlier they have taken two um aussies kelvin and um kelvin hello kelvin uh, um he's on twitter as crazy cycle fan mm. and tegan cox who's on twitter as tegan cox who are lovely lovely aussie fans of the sport mm. and they've been out with wiggle honda um at uh 
at um, the Ronde van Vlaanderen, and I think Tegan went in the team car. And um, and now Kelvin's tweeting from the roadside at, uh, at Energy Watch Tour. Um, really nice photos. Unfortunately, the cold broke his iPhone yesterday, but thank you <laughs> to them. Um, they've they've been providing actually great race coverage since late last year here in Australia. Um, you know, uh, Kelvin was uh, roadside at many of the the um, sort of semi-important through to important uh, races uh, down here, including nationals and um, and for events that weren't televised at all, it was you know incredibly useful. And he does a great job. And I love that that they provide. A ton of photos as well. <laughs> so, oh, a ton yeah. of photos. Yeah. I mean, it, it's a really nice addition. Um, I don't know if you know, if you follow me on Twitter, I keep a Twitter list which I update for every women's race so that you can kind of follow the action mm. as it goes. And it was just such a nice addition to have Kelvin's photos interspaced between, you know, the usual Richie Steege, um, Bart Hazen, um, who's a photographer and journalist. And, and yeah, it's been really nice seeing their points of view and yes. especially to see people who love, you know, people who are there because they're fans. And they love the sport being there, so mm. I look forward to um, I look forward to more from them um, throughout the week on yeah. Energy Watch Tour. So yeah, hi Kelvin, hi Tegan. We're not jealous of you at all, you fucking <laughs> bastards. <laughs> Fuckers, let's Fuck. Yeah, mm. can't they Last thing, last thing I wanted to mention, um, and we did touch on it earlier, but just wanted to to come back to is I read a really interesting interview with um, one of our favourite Dutch cyclists this week. Maybe you could tell us a little more, Sarah. <laughs> I did interview Marijn de Vries. Um, interviewing Marijn de Vries is the easiest thing in the world. Uh, we had to do it on type Skype because her boyfriend was working, and so she didn't want to disturb him. So you just basically ask a question, and Marijn just goes off and tells you some amazingly brilliant answers, and then you just throw in another dumb question, and Marijn just turns it into gold she just spins straw into gold and yeah she's she was a lot of fun um really mm. i i don't i know i keep recommend i know i keep saying this but i do recommend her blog massively she tells she tells all that she she gets that balance between the dark side of the sport and the shit side of the sport with the with the bright side yeah but mostly i love her because she gave up her job you know, in her thirties to become a pro cyclist and it's been hard and it's been tough. And it's last year, she had a difficult time on the team. She said her team, she said, and it just inspires me, Dan, mm. you know, people are Evie Stevens. Evie Stevens is back in the peloton at the end of the month. People apparently, yay. But you know, people like Evie and Marine, they kind of make me feel like I don't have to take the safe path. I could take the, I could go for adventures and it'll be tough and it'll be much, much harder, but are so much rewarding, so mm. much more rewarding. Mm. So, yeah. Mm. Um, yeah. Thank you. Awesome. Thank and you. there's all sorts of great little uh, bits of story in there. You know, Marianne catches up on, um, you know, what's different now uh, after that she's been riding in the pro peloton for a few years um, and, you know, explains in detail what goes on with uh, frozen eyeballs. <laughs> and, <laughs> I had to ask about frozen. That's also having my polemica cocktail: a frozen eyeball on a stick. Of course, of course, uh, that's a, a key ingredient, particularly at Halloween. Oh yes. All right. Um, so yeah, I think I think we've talked about everything, haven't we? I'm pretty sure we've talked we about have. everything. 
Yeah, we'll leave people to um, make sure you tune into the Energy Watch tour this week. Um, watch the mm. videos. There's going to be links on our site, as always, prowomenscycling.com. If you want to send us a picture of a half-woman, half-bike hybrid, uh, you can do that at, or, or, or ask us anything. You can do that at prowomenscycling at gmail.com. Uh, yeah, and um, thank you very much for listening. Yeah, generally enjoy. Thanks for sticking with us this long, and uh, we'll catch you next time around. Bye. Okay. Bye-bye.